Chapter Eighteen of the Ins and Outs of Paris, or Paris by Day and Night, by Julie de Marguerite. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Life's first ceremony and its last. It would appear that different as are the habits and customs of Parisians, their manners and their modes of living, scarcely could there be any difference in the few first days of a baby's existence in France and in other countries yet in none of the various stages of existence does france differ more than in its earliest hours in the first place the wailing epitome of mortality destined perhaps to hold a very large place in the world in which he now takes so small a corner is generally introduced into this life by a female physician be it known that these lady disciples of lucina about which there has been so much wondering and discussion in the united states since women have aspired to the study and practice of the arduous science have existed for many years in paris here they are regularly educated in the schools follow a regular course of lectures both theoretical and practical and at length obtain regular diplomas this peculiarly feminine branch of the medical science is however the only one practised by women they do not give consultations or attempt to dabble in any other branches of the healing art all men being thus almost universally banished from the sick-room the baby is washed with wine then with water after which he is enveloped in a succession of broad bands called swaddling clothes and then placed in an elaborately bedecked cradle and left literally to chew the cud of his own sweet and bitter fancies for beyond a spoonful of chamomile tea and two or three of warm water and sugar your new-born gentleman gets nothing during the first twenty-four hours of his existence within these first few hours however he is wrapped up almost to suffocation and carried by papa and the nurse to the mairie here to be registered as a french citizen and as a son of his papa and mamma without which formality he would in after-life be nobody's child at all at the end of this time his country nurse has come with her own baby to fetch this addition to her family if the child is to be taken into the country the best thing that can happen to it by the by or alone her own child being put out to nurse if the nurse is to be that most spoiled and petted of despots nourrice demeure a resident wet-nurse the fortunate peasant woman selected for her health and beauty from the environs of paris receives as much as eighty francs a month eighteen dollars for her services every caprice of her appetite is satisfied for fear of souring the font on which the baby fattens every ill-temper humoured for fear of souring the baby's temper a sub-lieutenant assists this commander of the nursery sparing her all the hard work and getting many hard words in return in fact between the despotic nurse the yelling baby and the timorous inexperienced mamma papa is made to feel particularly uncomfortable at home and begins sometimes to feel as though he ought to apologize for being there at all meantime the mamma is not treated at all like a sick person air and light are not excluded though flowers and perfumes are most rigorously so by the bevy of female cerberuses at the door of the sanctum namely the mother of the accouchée the monthly nurse the doctress and the wet nurse on the third day mamma is dressed that is as much as is seen of her in a beautiful soft conglomeration of lace and embroidery combined with blue ribbons if she has presented a son to her liege lord and pink if it is a daughter the room is set in order the drapery of the window and bed are put in graceful folds and an elegant counterpane generally of muslin lined with silk is displayed on it baby all black yellow and blue 
lies grunting and sleeping in his beautiful cradle wadded and patted carved frilled and laced himself the ugliest thing about it and his nurse in her high norman cap with gold earrings looking like play-hoops for her charge and clean white apron sits majestically beside him about twelve o'clock all these preparations being completed the newly made grandmamma dressed in a toilette bespeaking the circumstances at once suited to do honour to her visitors and not misplaced in her daughter's room takes up her station in the drawing-room adjoining now during the three days it has taken for the women-folk to come to this stage of the proceedings papa has been having printed and distributed to all his acquaintances notes to the following purport madame blank est heureusement accouchée d'un garçon blank or d'une fille la mère et l'enfant se portent bien monsieur blank a l'honneur de vous en faire part madame blank has been happily brought to bed of a son or a daughter both mother and infant are doing well monsieur blank has the honour of informing you of the event this billet is equivalent to an invitation for all the ladies acquaintances to come and call on her and accordingly from the third day preparations are made to receive them very soon the bell in the ante-room begins to tingle gently and sisters aunts cousins friends and acquaintances in full morning toilette drop in after the hugging and kissing and congratulating and a full relation of the most ordinary of everyday occurrences always considered and talked of by women as wonderful and unheard-of events the visitors are ushered in to the bedecked and expectant mamma n b no unmarried ladies not even a sister can be admitted to these gossip visits a few days later comes the first grand ceremony of the aspirant to life the one which is to make him a christian it is pretty hard for the sleepy struggling baby who hates to be roused from his torpid state or bothered in any way except for his oft-repeated meals but there is another person for whom this ceremony is the very height of tribulation botheration and bewilderment besides being no trifling expense and this is the person chosen for the high dignity of godfather usually this much-to-be-pitied personage is the grandfather of the infant or the most intimate friend of the newly-made father he has the privilege of giving his name to the child and of choosing his own godmother having done this to his satisfaction he proceeds to send to said godmother one dozen white kid gloves three or four dozens of boxes containing sugar-plums called dragées de baptême which said godmother is bound to distribute among her friends a present of jewellery or something else for herself a present for her the godmother to give to the mother of the child a present for the said godmother to give to the nurse ditto for said godmother to give to the godchild to the mother of the child he himself sends one dozen gloves three dozen boxes of sugar-plums the mother must give to her friends on returning her visite de couche some present of value or a costly knick-knack to the child a silver cup or a silver knife spoon and fork with the privilege of repeating the offering in some form every year as long as they both shall live to the nurse a present in money ditto to all the servants in the house including the concierge besides all these taxes on his purse the godfather pays all the church dues and finds all the carriages and feeds all the beggars who at a christening a wedding or a funeral are inevitably to be found at the church doors such are the attributes of the godfather and strange to say they are accepted cheerfully and executed with great good temper 
but good temper is one of the great distinguishing characteristics of the french nation the godmother's attributes are a mere sinecure consisting of a pretty new bonnet a smiling face and if an unmarried lady an intense feeling of love for the little squalling godchild if a wife and a mother a magnificent display of a thorough knowledge of the whole matter young ladies excluded from taking an active part in almost every ceremony of life are allowed to be godmothers a christening being a religious ceremony and often the godmother is chosen by the gentleman with ulterior views to another religious ceremony more interesting to both the papa as we see plays a very subordinate part in all this at the christening however he is bound to provide for the christening party on their return from church a dejeuner of which they partake with much delight and jollification sending in to the originator of the feast the mamma some delicate dish or some choice fruit sufficient to scare all the matrons and monthly nurses in great britain or the united states and make them prophesy all kinds of calamities and catastrophes to the patient a patient however the mamma steadily refuses to be for before the baby is a fortnight old we find her attending high mass and then proceeding with demure step and self-important air to take her station in the tuileries followed by the no less important nurse bearing the indifferent torpid baby amongst the little colony of the rising generation we have already described and so we leave this sprig of mortality to wend his way from petted and spoiled infancy into the rude scenes of the world where unless he is a rare exception he will have to repay with usury all the enjoyments and endearments of his childhood we have seen now a french wedding and a christening we have seen how the graves are tended and how the loved ones gone before are remembered let us now see how in france they bury their dead with a strange inconsistency the french with whom family ties are so sacred for whom the graves of the departed are so hallowed have a strange horror of death scarcely have the physicians declared that medical science can do no more and that even hope is extinct before the priests are sent for and love affection and sorrow retire from the deathbed leaving all that remains of mortality in the bosom of the church the extreme unction once administered all earthly ties are dissolved kneeling far from the bed where in silent agony the work of dissolution is slowly going on the wife children and friends are absorbed in prayer they have said the last word that is to be said on earth they have looked their last look henceforth the loved face will be seen but in the tablet of their memories it is a priest who will receive the last sigh it is a priest who will close those eyes which with one last wild look gaze around before becoming forever sightless after the ceremonies of the church not only do the relations and friends leave the room but they actually leave the house of the dying or dead by rude strange hands are the last offices performed no gentle hand with vain but touching tenderness is there to wrap the beloved form in fair white draperies or place with holy care the pale cold head now for the first time cold and insensible to caresses and affection upon the pillow where it is to rest for ever watched by a priest covered with a sheet four candles burning at the four corners of the bed the corpse lies alone untended and uncared for during the few hours that intervene in france between death and burial by order of the police it is required that a body should not remain above ground over four-and-twenty hours on the morning of burial 
rude hands the undertaker's underlings bring a rude coffin of common deal unlined without any ornament or paint and whistling joking and smoking they enclose what once was endowed with feeling intellect and life in its narrow bed then the coffin is carried down the street beneath the large porte cochere or gateway a temporary chapel is constructed consisting of black velvet and silver hangings and tall silver candlesticks with lighted wax candles on high trestles the rude coffin is placed and quickly hidden by a velvet pall having deep silver fringes and silver spots made in the shape of tears as if they had any on one side of this coffin stands a priest with a brush in his hand which he dips continually into a vessel containing holy water and then sprinkles it on the coffin all the passers-by throw holy water on the coffin and some kneel down beside it and murmur a prayer for the repose of the departed men as they pass the dead lift their hats and women make the sign of the cross after some hours of this exhibition the hearse followed by as many carriages as are necessary takes the corpse still covered with its pall to the parish church which is inside and outside hung with black and over the principal door of which there is the name of the deceased his titles age and qualities now when we say that the church is hung with black we mean to say that its magnificence is in proportion to the money expended in the funeral pomp the burial of the dead is in the hands of the company called entreprise des pompes funèbres and each class of funeral is by them taxed at a certain immutable price the lowest being one hundred francs excepting however the funerals of the poor a mere hurrying of the coffin in a sort of hand-barrow painted in rusty black how high the funeral expenses may reach we are not prepared to say but to judge from the little obtained for one hundred francs and the extreme magnificence of velvet and silver in which sometimes the whole architecture of a church is hidden the beauty of the singing the quantity of the choristers and incense and the zeal of the many splendidly robed priests to say nothing of the long string of carriages the mass of feathers on the horses the number of hired mourners and the size of the silver tears we should imagine that some funerals reached as high as ten or fifteen thousand francs on leaving the church the procession takes the way to the cemetery where at last the body is deposited in the grave still however it is of this world the earth has not yet hidden the coffin from all eyes and the grave-diggers pause before commencing their work around the open grave are gathered the intimate friends of the deceased and he who was nearest to him now standing at the head of the sepulchre in the midst of most profound silence pronounces a eulogium on the corpse at his feet relates his deeds of glory his good actions his virtues his intellectual endowments then after an earnest farewell he takes a handful of earth throws it on the coffin and retires the principal mourners each then throw their handful of dust to dust and now friends have looked their last enemies have done their worst love and devotion can do no more the grave-diggers do their office and forever he who was is gone from all and so the dream of life begun in a down cradle with lace and silk curtains to shield the tender eyes from the very light of heaven hope love and tenderness to watch and guard the frail and fragile spark of life is ended in the dreary and dismal churchyard with the cold earth pressed on the once loved form and the pale moon with god's bright stars to keep the nightly vigil whilst all who have wept are trying gently to forget what once was joy and life and hope but now is nothing End of chapter eighteen